The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and at amazon.com. We all have our personal stories of how we were disciplined as a kid. I remember my dad's lectures. Oh my God, do I remember my dad's lectures. Do I know how to tune out to lectures? You bet. I remember being sent to my room and pouting and feeling really sad. And I remember the look. My dad could give a look that could kill, or at least it felt that way when you're a little kid and having some privileges taken away too. My worst though was the silent treatment. I had a babysitter who one day said, I'm not speaking to you for the whole day. And she went on silent mode, and that was worse than being yelled at. So joining me to discuss discipline is Charlotte Cushman. Charlotte is the author of Effective Discipline, The Montessori Way, and she's taught at a Montessori school for forty over 40 years with little kids, little tykes from two and a half years old to six years old. So Charlotte, let's say that Jenna, age three, steals the stuffed bunny from her friend and says she didn't do it. As a parent, what are some ineffective methods of disciplining her in that situation ignoring it because she'll do it again she gets away with it plain old yelling screaming that doesn't work spanking Ah. giving big huge lectures where you go on and on and on yeah and they don't understand what you're talking about or they if you don't follow through with action then they learn to just ignore you Yep, I'd learned how to ignore my dad I tuned out my dad's lectures it was like okay here we go Yes, so those are ineffective. And parents make it much harder on themselves when they do that, don't they? Yeah, because they get really frustrated because they're not getting the result that they want. Right, and many times they don't know how to read their children. I know you talked about that in your book, that you need to know how to read your own child. You need to know what's going on with that kids. For example, my son said to me once, a little tyke again, he was standing on our fireplace hearth, and he looked at me and he says, I hate you, Mommy. And I said, oh, you sound so angry. I just was in a good mood that day. (laughs) And he said, yeah, the kids at school, you know, and he went into the whole story and he was crying in my arms. And I said, oh, my God, had I gone the other route and say, don't you ever say that to me again? Yeah. what What would that have done to our relationship? Right. Yeah, exactly. So I knew how to read him, or at least I had the skills by that time. He was the second child. What is, well, let's go first to what is the main purpose of discipline? Well, the main purpose of discipline is to help the child develop self-control and so he can learn how to think and make choices on his own. You're trying to help him develop and, I mean, he's going to grow up. He's going to have to manage his own life. He's going to have to make choices. You want him to make good choices and be, you know, a happy person. So as he grows up, you're trying to guide him in that direction. To help him know, set proper boundaries. Right. right? And you had a wonderful kite analogy. I have your book open to it. Your book is Effective Discipline, the Montessori Way. Oh, I remember the kite analogy very well. Oh, then go ahead. (laughs) You you can rock and roll with it because I thought that was great. Hey, I got to interrupt this because we've got to pay some bills. 30 seconds, that's it. A very quick ad and then Alan will be back. Romance. Oh, I wish guys knew more about what we want from a relationship. (laughs) Boy, I wish I knew more about what I want. Where's that ad I saw? Ah, here it is. The Selfish Path to Romance. A serious romance guidebook. Download Chapter 1 for free at SelfishRomance.com and buy it at Amazon.com. Hmm, The Selfish Path to Romance. That 
is interesting. Oh, I remember the kite analogy very well. Oh, then go ahead. <laughs> you, you can rock and roll with it because I thought that was great. Well, in our Montessori training class, when you take the Montessori training, it's very, very intense. And some trainings take two years and some take one. And when they talked about discipline, they likened discipline to a kite. And you think of the kite as a child and the string as the, you know, when the adult is holding on to the string, that's where you are guiding them in discipline. So if the child exhibits maturity and they're making good choices and they're being responsible, you let the string out. But then as soon as they flub it up or they have problems or they lie or they do something you know, wrong, then right. you pull the string back in. So the entire time that the child is growing up, you're holding the string to that kite. And when they portray that they are being um, responsible, you let the string out. But when they need discipline, you pull it back in. So it's a constant process of in and out, back and forth, until they're an adult, and then you can completely let the string go. I love that analogy because it's so, I mean, you can see the kite kind of going on its own and they're developing their autonomy, their independence, and that's what you want for them. And when they make those good choices, you can let that string out very far. And when they lie, cheat, steal, yell, whine, 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 you know, you can pull the string in and you have to give them more information so they can go back out again. You know, the goal right. is, is to eventually let go of the string. Right. Uh, which is very hard for some parents to do when yeah. kids grow older. <laughs> but if you've done a good job, it's easier, much easier. So right. I notice with the discipline that you can see, you say, you shouldn't have done that. Uh, Sarah, age four, pushes her sister and she hits her younger sister. And you get upset with Sarah. You, What would you do in that case? And then Sarah gets sad and you have to deal with her sadness too. Again... Um, is this the first time she's done that, or does she do this frequently? Has she? Have you already told her and explained to her why this is wrong? And so it's all going to depend on the child and the circumstances as to how you handle it. But if let's say she gets really, really sad. You tell her she shouldn't have done that, and she just, instead of getting angry and fighting back, she just bursts into tears, and then you feel so guilty that you had told her, stop it, no, you can't do that. Parents feel guilty, they back down. Right. If you really were too hard on her, let's say that she had kind of a shy personality and you overreacted a little bit and she does burst into tears and you do feel bad about it and it's legitimate that you feel bad about it, then I would go to her and I have done this with children and, uh, and, uh, and apologize and say, I'm sorry I didn't you know, I overreacted to that. I know you feel bad about it and comfort them. But if you did handle it correctly and you weren't too hard on her and she's still crying, then I would still say I understand that you feel bad about it, but we don't do that. You know, it hurts other people or you might even still comfort them if you feel that they need it. Or it could be a situation where even though they are crying, they still need to go into timeout. So yeah. much depends on, right. on the kid and what's going on. Right, and that's what I'm hearing from you, that you really need to know how to read your child as 
we've mentioned before. And so that really the child needs to be able to experience some sadness. And that's a constructive emotion. Right. That uh, we all do. If we do something wrong, we can't just go away feeling happy. We have to feel remorseful or sad or whatever the negative emotion is and have good role models in your parents or teachers to know how to deal with that so you learn. Right. Yeah, I think the whole movement right now in discipline seems to be to shelter the child from feeling sad, shelter him from feeling bad. And that's very, very harmful because they need to develop a conscience. And if they don't ever feel bad about doing something wrong, how are they going to be able to correct themselves? They aren't. Right. So they need to get moral guidance from you. They need to know what's good and what's not good. And they need to know why. So I've been talking with Charlotte Cushman. And Charlotte, how can people get your book, Effective Discipline, The Montessori Way? You can look on Amazon. Um, I also have a website called CushmanBooks.com. Okay, and you've written two other books, Montessori, Why It Matters for Your Child's Success and Happiness, which I loved, and another book, a child's book, which I've read. My kids are older now. Uh, But Your Child Belongs to You, a true story about the founding of the United States. And it's good to get that. Your life belongs to you. Oh, what did I say? Your child belongs to you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> got kids on the brain. Your life belongs to you, a true story about the founding of the United States. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been wonderful. And yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. For more Dr. Kenner podcast, go to drkenner.com and please listen to this ad. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and Dr. Edwin Locke, who's world famous for his theories in goal setting. What if the partner you want doesn't want you? One essential principle to remember in the dating world is that you cannot force a mind. You can't force someone you like to like you, no matter how strong your desires. That person is judging your appropriateness for his or her happiness, just as you are doing. Rational dating properly includes mutually judging one another. Because love is so individual, finding the right match is not easy, and rejection and disappointments are likely, if not inevitable, before you find the right partner. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com.